You are listening to the Unapologetically Fueled podcast, where we talk about cultivating food freedom, psychology, gut health, overcoming adversity, hearing inspirational stories, and how to truly live life unapologetically fueled. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I need to come up with a new introduction. I say that every single time for the past like year. But... I love it, though. Aww. I love it. <laughs> I, mean, I love you. <laughs> love you, Queen. Yes. So today I have Emily Fisher, registered dietitian, um, runner girl, Instagrammer, just the most amazing friend um, on the show. And I am beyond excited to have her. I put in my question box a bunch of like nutrition questions for you to ask her and we're going to be talking about that today but if you want to know who I'm talking about look on my Instagram and any reel that has gone viral because (laughs) it is always one that we made together so um, without further ado Emily go ahead and introduce yourself (laughs) well what an incredible introduction Thanks, Queen. Um, Yeah, so like Sabrina said, my name is Emily. I am a registered dietitian. I am a former dancer turned runner. I'm a Christian. I'm a dog mom. I'm a wife. And I am the owner of At Wellness with Emily on Instagram. So you'll probably see me on Sabrina's page all the time. We just think of the funniest posts and content and just have a blast doing random activities together. So yeah, I'm just so blessed to call her a friend, and I'm just so excited to be here. So thank you. Oh, you're the sweetest. Yeah, Emily's great. And if you don't already, go follow her Instagram at wellness.with.emily, and I will link that. Oh, yeah, I gotta, gotta include the dots. Got into that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, Emily is such a great friend and I'm super excited. Um, I'm sure we'll do many podcasts in the future. So get used to her voice here. Um, co-host. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um basically today we are gonna be talking about all things nutrition myths and answering your nutrition questions. You guys asked some fantastic questions on my Instagram and we got a chance, well, Emily got a chance to look through those and really just like um come up with her best answers as a registered dietitian who has experience in the athletic world and also just in so many different populations. So um kind of just like starting off, what's your journey with dietetics? Like when did you find a passion for food science and dietetics? That is such a good question. Um I guess there was never like a specific moment where I was like, I want to do dietetics. Like honestly, I didn't even know what it was until I got into like early high school. I just knew I really enjoyed science. I was not a math or like a writing girly at all. And I was obsessed with cooking shows. Like I was just so interested in watching them. And I loved the final products that would come. And my mom was so great growing up about like including me in the kitchen and involving me with food. So that was really cool to to watch her. She really inspired me. But yeah, I didn't even know dietetics even existed until... I knew what college I really wanted to go to. I was really set on it. And I was like, I'll just find a major that like, I think would fit me. And then after touring them and learning more about their different programs, I decided I would be really interested in nutrition. And within nutrition itself, there's kind of different avenues you can take. You could take like a food science where you work more with like food manufacturers and producers and help them come up with the actual foods and ingredients. 
or there was the more clinical patient focused counseling side, which I realized I was more interested in. So I was like, I'm going to go that way. And fortunately enough, uh, the college where I went to, it was the number one program in the state. So it just was kind of a God thing. I was like, perfect. I'm, I'm going to jump in. And it, I took one intro to nutrition class my freshman year. And I was like, yeah, this is for me. So yeah, I loved. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, so, so cool to learn about a field that is still today, like constantly changing. And there's always a buzz topic or a question people ask me when they hear about my job. So it's been so exciting. But yeah, that, that was a long, a long winded answer. All that to say, there was never a specific moment. <laughs> I love that, though. I love how like you kind of like knew in a sense from a young age that you like this is your calling in a way just like even you're like bringing in your mom involving you in the kitchen like I just think that's so cute how like you're able to like tie in like your family and everything and also um that's so relevant to like there's always some sort of diet going around and always some sort of trend and so there's like that research is so deep in the nutrition world like as my research scientist PhD nerd brain, I love the research. And so I'm always looking at the research here. And I just like, I think nutrition is such a great field just because like, it's literally, you're never like, you never stop learning because there's always some sort of fad that comes out, whether it's keto, or paleo, whatever it is like. And so that's, it's always like so interesting, but I think that's awesome. And it is true. People ask you questions. Like she was at my family cottage last weekend. And as soon as she said, <laughs> my grandma just asked her, so many questions and I was like <laughs> poor Emily but she, she was no I I love when people come to me with questions I'm like better to come to me or someone else that's credentialed or a professional at this than Google so I'm always I'm always up for the questions but yeah like with with the research itself like I entered the field with like these preconceived notions of what I thought was true and false. And like, I had to unlearn and relearn things in, in my career and in, in my um, professional experience as well. So it's, it's exciting. It's a really exciting field. Yeah. Very exciting. No, that's awesome. So actually kind of going off of that, um, one of our listeners had a question about what the process is of becoming a registered dietitian because she wants to become one in the future. So what did you have to go through? I'm so excited for whoever sent this question in because it's such a cool journey. It's a lot. It's a lot of work, um, but it's so rewarding. So the process has actually changed since I was in school. Not not that I'm old, but it's it's changed very recently. Um, so I went through a little bit of a different process, but essentially what everyone needs to do is you need to go to an undergraduate program, get your bachelor's of science, and it could be within a few different things. It needs to be an ASEND accredited program. Um, so it could be like dietetics, food science, nutritional science, something along that field. From there, what I did was I applied to dietetic internships. So this is just essentially a pretty competitive process where you attend open houses, you learn about different internship programs that could be through different colleges or hospitals um, and you will apply for them and then essentially you apply there's a bunch of interviews there's a bunch of like letters of recommendation you need to get your resume all those things um, and then one day it's usually early April is match day so you rank your top programs the programs rank their top applicants and then this computer matching system 
links everyone up. So that is how you find out which program you are being matched to. Um, this process has changed a little bit since I've graduated because you're now required to have a master's degree. So I did not, I was not required to have a master's before sitting for my RD exam, which you need to take after your internship. So that is a new um, rule. So something to keep in mind. Um, but overall, yeah, you do your undergraduate, your internship, or your internship with your master's, and then you sit for your CDR exam. Once you pass your exam, you then have to complete continuing education credits. So it's 75 credits every five years. And some states also require you to get more licensure within that state to practice. So it's essentially just more paperwork that you have to fill out. But there's a lot of um, continuing education as well as um, code of ethics that we have to follow as well, making sure we're practicing um, ethical medical care, which is super important. But yeah, this the dietetic internship process is a lot, but it's so rewarding. It's really exciting. You get hands-on experience. It's the time to try and figure out what you like, what you don't like, um, specialize in some areas if that's what you're interested in. And that can take anywhere from like six months to two years if you are getting your master's. So it's definitely something to consider when you are choosing dietetics because these internship programs are unpaid or sometimes you're paying to work for free essentially so definitely keep that in mind when um, going down this route but overall it, it's worth it it's just a lot of work yeah it's a lot of work and Emily studied her little booty off for that exam and she <laughs> amazing I still remember when you took that exam and yeah, you have to work hard. And um, that's why consulting with a registered dietitian about food questions is so much better and so much better for you, for society in general. Honestly, if you really argue about it, then talking to like a nutritionist or looking online because nutritionists, like you could, anybody can say they're a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. like I could right now if I wanted to, because it basically just means somebody who studies nutrition in the slightest bit, but a registered dietitian has to go through all of these processes. And that's, what's so important. So make sure if you are seeking dietetic care, um, that you are looking for a registered dietitian and not a nutritionist too, um, which is always super important. And also a disclaimer, I should have put this out there before the episode started, but this episode is not a replacement for um, individualized dietetic care. So if you are struggling with food or you want your individualized food advice, please seek a nutrition um, special or a registered dietitian, not a nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> go to the internet no yeah for real. <laughs> <laughs> where was your internship at like do you can you share the name or yeah definitely so I matched to a program out in Peoria Illinois called OSF St. Francis Medical Center so Peoria is like right in between Chicago and St. Louis it is a pretty overall rural area um I had the best program experience it truly blew my mind away like some of the like those the fellow interns were at my wedding like my roommate was one of my bridesmaids like my I read my director to my wedding like these girls that I entered the program with you just go through so much together and you grow together and you experience a lot of highs and a lot of lows together um but just the experience of getting to try all these areas I went into my 
internship thinking I'd love the clinical and the the grind of everything. And I, after doing 10 weeks of clinicals, I was like, actually, like, I'd be okay if I never did this again, you know? And I'm so glad I got that opportunity to try it versus committing to a job and then being stuck with it. So yeah, the internship process, do your research, go to open houses, reach out to fellow interns or graduates of the programs. I just had someone reach out to me and ask about the program and I got to sit down and talk with them. And it's just so cool to hear other people's perspectives on programs and any advice they would give. Um, Yeah, do your research, work hard, apply to as many as you can, and just be yourself during the interviews. Those would be my top tips. I love that advice. That's fantastic. And um, I'm so happy that you had a great experience because we have a similar, I mean, just like both medical students and also um, like we have match day for like residency and stuff. And so it's very much the same. And I know people who have the worst experiences at their programs and that can really make or break your career. So like, I think it's awesome that you had a great experience there. And can you tell everybody kind of what you do now for your career, just like on a day to day? Yeah, so I do a very interesting job. So I am a registered dietitian and health coach for a startup telehealth company, and we specialize in patients with, and I always butcher this name, musculoskeletal conditions. I like to say just MSK. So patients who have joint, back, neck pain, arthritis, anything, any issues of the body, um, we work on nutrition. So whether that be lower inflammatory foods, whether that be weight loss for patients who do need weight loss, but a lot of it is honestly just health coaching and goal setting and being an accountability buddy to these people. Sometimes I feel like I'm also like a free therapist sometimes, not that I'm giving therapy, but a lot of times issues people bring to me have nothing to do with food. And so getting to just essentially what I do is I meet one-on-one with clients. I make lots of content videos, lots of recipes, blog posts, um, tons and tons of research, research. Oh my gosh. Tons and tons of research. (laughs) We also being a startup, get hands-on experience with graphic design, designing websites, um, taking consumer feedback, looking at the data, um, So it's tested me in a lot of ways, but it's been the coolest opportunity to dip my toes in a lot of other different fields as well. And then I also have a uh, private practice, Wellness with Emily LLC. Um, Honestly, I don't do too much with that right now just because my other job takes is is full time. So it takes up a lot of my time. But my goal is to just continue posting content and recipes and advice on there and then hopefully work more on the one on one counseling on that end. But yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And you're doing so much and just such a diverse array of things too, which is cool. Um, And just like the fact that you get to not only work with clients, but you also get to um, film recipe videos and stuff, which is so much fun. And then you can use those on your Instagram and it's just like all sorts of different things like that. So yeah, that's awesome. So kind of going into like the social media area of things, um, you have your own food Instagram and food blog. Um, and I know that a lot of other people do too. So what are some, after you've had this platform for quite a while now, what are some common pieces of information, like misinformation that you see on social media surrounding food? So like, and especially what do you see for athletes? Mm, that's so good. It depends too. Like, I think overall, the number one 
thing I see is these people who, whether they are like credentialed in their field nutrition or they're not, people get very like specific and go into very niche things. And I think it just overcomplicates the general public and stresses people out. Like I in the past, like have seen uh, nutrition blogs that are more focused on women's health and like regulating our periods and our cycles and all that sorts of things. And it, it has come down to like, you need to eat this type of seed on this day and you need to eat, you know, like only these foods and you can only eat after this time of day, you know, all these, all these rules and really specific ideas that maybe there is some research supporting them, but we overemphasize it and we make it like such a big deal that people just get frustrated and misled, I think. Um, And so I think it just becomes overcomplicated and stresses people out, honestly. And then I think the other thing that I think can sometimes be misleading, and I think I know like you posted one of these before, but you had like such a great disclaimer on there is like the what I eat in the days too. Um, because they can be helpful. Like it's cool to see. Like I love learning about new foods that people are trying or like, oh, someone really likes that brand. Like I I'm looking for something like that. I'll I'll pick one up. Um, but people just take that and literally think that's how they need to eat. And they think it's a one size fits all and it's just not. And so I think we look towards people to be our food inspiration for every single meal it can just really stress us out and it's hard like that's hard to completely replicate what someone's eating um and even if you did replicate what they ate perfectly and you exercise just like them you're not going to look just like them there's so many other factors that that come to our health so I think overall we just we overcomplicate things and we think everything is one size fits all Yes, that is so solid, like 100%. Um, It's so crazy to think that I, it's just like so annoying. I'll be like scrolling through Instagram and people will post like, oh yeah, like if you eat X amount of this of protein, you'll gain X amount of this muscle, whatever it is. But it's just like, no, that's really not what's going to happen. And um, I know that's like also about like the what I eat in a day things. Like there's some people that that's all they post on Instagram. And it's also not like something that should be replicated. I see a lot too. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. They're under feeling and it's just like, no, like it's just not, it's crazy. And so um, that's why so many people request that on my account and they're always like, please post more, please post more. And I'm like, honestly, like one, I forget because I'm always snacking. So I'm like, I'm not going to remember. <laughs> yes. so I'm like, guys, like, yes, this, I'll do it sometimes, but like, also it's not going to be a regular thing because I don't want people to follow me because they want to eat like me because that's what right. my body needs, not what their body needs. And so it's just, yeah, it's it's just crazy to see too, like all over TikTok, like some of these what I eat in a day videos. And I'm just like, no, like this should not be on here, but it's way too overcomplicated. And yeah, people are just, yeah, it's, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I even see like in my other job, like people come to be, come to me and be like, can I have a meal plan? Like, I thought you'd give me like a calendar with the meals written out. Like that's the feedback people are giving me. And I'm like, I will never give someone a strict meal plan or tell them exactly what to eat as a dietitian, because that's not sustainable. Like if I'm telling you, you need to eat broccoli, chicken and rice for dinner tonight, but all of a sudden something happened and now you're out of town and you don't have access to that. Like 
what do you do? You just throw the whole meal away. So like learning to like understand food principles and nutrition and your health and what you feel best on and applying that to nutrition or like applying that to yourself in your daily routine and and your income and what's accessible to you is huge. That's always my end goal is just to give people the the tools and the skills they need to make those healthy choices for them. Yes, absolutely. And I love that approach because there are so many people who just want that meal plan and it's really not feasible if you think of it in the grand scheme of things. Like if people say, oh, let's go out for dinner and it's like, I can't get this food, but that's going to cause more problems. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that is like, I think there's a time and place for meal plans for maybe people who don't have appetite cues or whatever it is, or if you're recovering from an eating disorder um, and you really mm-hmm. need that structure. But other than that, I think it's, it can do more harm than good to just like read, like follow a regimented plan like that. So yeah, exactly. Definitely. What do you think, kind of going off of that, what are the good and bad things of social media food blogs? Like we kind of touched on a couple of the bad things, but is there anything mm-hmm. see being promoted or like any specific like accounts you want to shout out? Like what are some good, some good stuff we're seeing out there to focus on the positive? Mm, there's so much good out there. Like I would, I would not have an account if I thought there was more bad than good by any means. Um, benefit is you can reach a huge audience like this is I met Sabrina from the internet you know like you can meet really cool people who are passionate about the same things as you and um that's that's really nice especially when like maybe people nearby or around you don't have that same passion you can feel kind of alone so just having that audience to connect to I think is so fun I'm just constantly inspired by others on there like if I see a yummy recipe, I'm like, I'm making it. I'm constantly saving them, like sending them to my husband. I'm like, oh, we're trying this. Like, this looks so good. And even just to see when it comes to people who have histories of underfueling, being really vulnerable and sharing that, like, I, it made me feel so not alone in my own personal experience. And so seeing that and having people who've come out the other side and are so passionate about sharing recovery and also just sharing proper fueling or even just sharing like adequate nutrition for athletes is so inspiring to me and also just makes me want to be more vulnerable and be okay with like not being perfect on social media that's a huge thing I had to overcome um but seeing other people just be them true their true authentic selves and people honestly like that as well like people like when I posted that my taco fell apart and it was a hot mess and it just looked like like how my day was going you know like people like to see that stuff and so um when other people can share that it just helps me connect to them on a more personal level and then also two people just have good recommendations like I've discovered so many good brands and recipes all that stuff from people I follow so overall I just get a bunch of inspiration I think from the app yeah, I totally agree. Also, I'm sorry if you hear my dog right now. She is like thrashing <laughs> at the door like crazy because she's like, Aww. mom, let me in right now. But if I let her in, she will cause chaos. But um, <laughs> that's so relatable. Um, 
I, there are so many good accounts and really so many. And I love that's honestly one of my favorite posts that you is your taco falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I put so much effort into making it. And then as soon as I went to fold it, that tortilla was just not capable. No, it was having a day. It was having a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some great accounts out there and just great just overall things that are being posted and I know I get so many recipes like and it's fantastic and there are there's so much good out there so you just mm-hmm. really good points um do you ever see like registered dietitians online like that promote like disordered eating like is that a thing like does that actually happen mm. like people who have these credentials and have gone through this registered dietitian process have these big accounts um do you ever see them promoting wrong things or is it for the most part? Mm. Yeah, I think I've never flat out seen a dietitian posting something that I felt was like insanely triggering or misleading to anyone. Um, but it also it's a it's a science, like it's objective. There's data and research, but also a lot of health and nutrition is subjective and it's opinion. So there's going to be different opinions within the field about how to best approach things, whether that be fueling for sports or taking care of like diabetes or heart health or anything like that. There are some variations within that. But overall, with dietetics, because we do have that code of ethics, you can be reported by other dietitians if you are posting harmful or misleading information. So I personally never seen someone flat out post something like that I may disagree with some other someone else's opinions but of course that's just a disagreement and so if they're not following those standards of professional performance or not using like evidence-based research you can be reported but I've seen more so the influencers and other realms post some of those things and so when I see that, I'm I'm either like in two different moods. I feel like sometimes I'll comment, I'll just be like in a mood, and I'll just comment back and ask what the research is. Be like, where did you find this? Like, where where are you getting this idea from? And just so they can prove what they're saying, because maybe what they are posting is like just something I'm not up to date on, and there's actual data to prove it. I'm like, oh, I want to know. And then I'll ask. This is kind of I don't know. This may come across bad, but sometimes I'll ask. I'll be like, what are your credentials? Like <laughs> straight up in the comments because. I want, sometimes like I want other people to see that. So they stop and think too, because I think the average consumer is not going to know the difference between a dietitian and someone who likes to post about food and health. So like to see them, to see that comment, I'm, I hope that they stop and think about, okay, like, should I listen to this person or should I take this advice to heart and apply it to myself? And then other times if I see something that is like triggering or just upsetting, like I'm so quick to mute or block or unfollow. Like I'm a huge advocate for protecting your piece and it's your page. It's your account. So even if you just have to mute that person for a little bit, like go ahead. (laughs) I'm a big fan. (laughs) Definitely, You take such a gentle approach with it too, because like there are some people who will absolutely hate on others who are posting like wrong information it's like yeah like it's good to ask them maybe like what are your credentials in a very like nice mm-hmm. way, or like ask where the research is but there are some people that really pop off so um but yeah I'm yes I 100% say mute people who you do not yes. you're not serving you so yes yeah and how do you work to promote a healthy relationship with food online so you know kind of avoiding some of those I mean not that you would promote anything bad but like 
do you do anything intentionally? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I have to do before I post is ask myself, like, why? Why am I posting this? Is this to actually try and provide helpful information or a helpful recipe or something that I think people would genuinely enjoy? Or am I trying to post this so I can portray myself as a certain way? Like, I really have to question myself. And I think I've tried to, over time, too, post a little bit more about other things and I'm not great about this because of course I want to keep like my private life private um but people like we said earlier people really like to see like your life and your personality outside of food so yeah you can show that this is what you're passionate about but you're also a human being and you go through other things in life and you're a friend and a sister and a wife and a daughter and all these things and so people care about that too just to show them the other sides of you. I think people really appreciate that. And also just, again, being more honest about the struggles. And again, I'm not great about this. So it's something I really do want to be better about. Um, Because again, too, it's like, do I want like people I know personally in my life, like they do follow this account, would I want them to know everything that's, that's going on at the same time? But just being really honest and raw I think is the best way to promote a healthy relationship and not be afraid to be like, oh, I can't post that because then people think like I'm being unhealthy or can't post that because then people think I'm being too healthy, you know, over sitting there and spiraling and overthinking everything. So just overall really being yourself and just questioning why you do post something and if it's causing harm or it's causing you harm, then maybe think about taking it down. Yeah, that's really great advice, definitely. Um, And I love, again, how you bring up the part of like, acknowledge the hardship, acknowledge the struggle, because we're not perfect. Like we're human. Mm -hmm. We're to say that you're totally fine and you don't struggle with anything anymore um, or any desire to be perfect with food or whatever. It's just, it's, uh, it's prideful. And like, just acknowledge Mm -hmm. the struggle that like, some days are going to be better than others in life. And some days you might live off of four Diet Cokes and donuts. <laughs> and it's okay to feel good about that. And it's okay to feel guilty about that. And it's like, all the feelings are okay. And so I think it's beautiful that like we, like you acknowledge that like, it's not always perfect and that's for everybody. And I think that's what attracts so many people to, just like you as a dietitian, as a human and your account. And I just think that's what people want to see. It's like, people don't want to see somebody who's like, I'm perfect. Like, here's what yeah. I'm doing. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. It's like, no, you can post the things, like everything, no matter if you feel perfect or if you're not. Like, I put the knots in my hair and people love it. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> like, I'm going to acknowledge we're not perfect. So, yeah. Right. That's great advice. And she really does have an amazing, beautiful account. So go follow it. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Okay. So now getting into some of these food myths and questions that the listeners had. So question number one, is there a difference between eating bananas and apples as a carb? This person said, I'm asking because I don't roll with bananas. Don't roll with bananas. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's totally, I actually know quite a few people. They're like the smell, the taste, like they're just not banana people. Totally fine. Um, Great question though. They're both good sources of carbs. They have vitamins, they have minerals. Your body's going to love both either way. 
if one's just sounding better, I would recommend you go for the one that's sounding better. Typically, like before, if you're about to perform like exercise or do a long endurance event or something of that sorts, apples are more soluble fiber in them. So I don't know. Personally, I experience this. Like if I eat an apple, sometimes I'll feel a little like tummy rumbling or like really full. It's just more of that soluble fiber. <laughs> Sabrina's smiling because she knows. She understands. <laughs> so no I mean, fun. like literally be careful with those higher fiber foods maybe before a bunch of activity but if you tolerate both fine before endurance events like that's fine too but overall like they're both great for you there's no major differences you're good to go beautiful thank you um I totally agree with that bananas are probably a better tummy option speaking from experience (laughs) yes I'm not going to hide it. I've had GI distress on my runs, and y'all. <laughs> How can I bring up Planet Fitness? <laughs> um, I apologize to the workers at the Planet Fitness that I was yes. and, uh I think I had to. We'll leave it at that. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, I did have a friend who ate, who used to eat apples before she ran, and then it would give her tummy troubles, but then she switched to go-go squeezes and it helped. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Okay. Um, food question number two, are healthy dessert recipes significantly better for you than normal desserts? What is the difference between a cookie from crumble and an influencer's whole wheat cookie? Are they both okay to eat? Oh, I like this question a lot. Um, yes, are both are okay to eat. And I say okay, like in quotation marks, because it's okay. Like, it's gonna be okay. Like, I just want to emphasize that either way, it's gonna be okay. Um, I personally, I love the creativity of trying to add more nutrient dense options or ingredients to a dessert, whether that be like fiber or protein or vitamins or minerals or anything like that. I think that's fun. It's it's science. It's experimenting. But I would also never refuse a dessert because it didn't have the protein or the fiber or the vitamins or minerals or anything like that. Um, because it's dessert, right? It's something sweet. It's something fun. It's something that is meant to bring you joy um satisfy that sweet tooth if if need be but yes both are okay to eat um I would just focus on like I I personally how I approach nutrition is like I don't I focus on trying to get just really nutrient dense options throughout the day so if I do want something sweeter like later in the day I'm not relying on my protein brownie to give me all the protein that I skipped out on during the day right (laughs) you know like the brownie is just supposed to be something fun to have so Yes, both both are okay. I love that answer. And it's honestly like, yeah, I love that. I have desserts every single day to whoever asked this question. And they are not usually the healthy version of that at all. So, and I am totally fine. I eat normal Ben and Jerry's dairy-free ice cream every day. And I'm a happy, healthy human. So that's a case. I love it. But she has all <laughs> that science right there. I want (laughs) to listen to that one who has all these credentials, all this reason. (laughs) That's great advice. And that is really true. And I, I love that incorporating things throughout the day. 
Um, okay, listener question number three, are sugar alcohols bad for you? I feel like this is especially prevalent prevalent right now because like of that like aspartame causes cancer claim. So Yeah. Yeah, this is I don't say it's like taboo, but like there's just a lot more research that needs to be done. So I'm not gonna be like coming coming at you with like a yes or no or anything like that. Um, so it depends. Sugar alcohols are labeled what's called grass by the Food and Drug Administration, which GRAS stands for Generally Recognized as Safe. So this means that based on the current research and data that we have, in certain amounts, these sweeteners are safe for consumption, according to the FDA. Um, sugar alcohols, in general, sugar substitutes, are so, so sweet, like way sweeter than standard sugar which is why they only need to use like the tiniest amount in these diet or sugar substitute sweetened products. Um, and they won't contribute calories because they're using such a little amount. Um, so yeah, they're generally recognized as safe. Um, as a rule of thumb, I just say enjoy them in modern rate in moderation, right? That's, that's all we can do right now. I think until there is more data, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I know that's like super vague, but like, honestly, there's not one perfect answer. I personally, like you may tolerate some sugar alcohol. So I know a lot of people that like don't tolerate them. They get some tummy troubles with them. So that's something to be mindful of as well for not making you feel good. But if you have some every now and then, it, from what we know, it, you should be okay. Sorry, that's so vague, but that's the best I could do. <laughs> And honestly, that's like what most nutrition is. It's it's depends. Yeah. If anybody here listens to the Holly Fueled Nutrition podcast, um, she always says it depends because it does depend. And so, um, no, that's a great answer. It really is. And it is, I mean, just like anything in life, right? Like cucumbers aren't bad for you. Cucumbers are good for you. But if you eat just cucumbers, you're going to miss out on so many other nutrients. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, that's a great answer. Personally, um, I got the Panera Unlimited Sip Club for two months free trial. So I've been getting a little bit too much Diet Coke because I'm addicted, but, and that's okay because, you know, it's what I'm craving right now. So it brings us joy it really and is. caffeine. Exactly. <laughs> but it's funny, like the sugar alcohols and Diet Coke, they don't upset my stomach, but like if I get a sugar-free vanilla latte, I will have distress. So it really depends. So, right. Another case study here, science. <laughs> um, okay, so this is coming from a runner. What are alternative fueling techniques for long runs besides goos and other gels? Love this question. I'm such a goo girl and like gel girl. Like I remember when like I first tried one with Sabrina, I was like, wait, like this is good. Like I could actually eat like I was I watched Sabrina take like her first one when she was training for a marathon and I was like so nervous for her and I was like so excited when she did it and then when it came time for me to do it man and then I ate it and I was like honestly like not bad I I feel like disgusting saying that um that was a tangent anyways (laughs) so funny it's like okay sorry this is like kind of like going off your tangent but like when you're running like endurance events and you take your first goo, it's literally like losing your goo genity, like goo virginity. <laughs> like I feel like that's I was. people are like, like I've heard somebody say that before and I was like, you know, I mean kind of. It's like it's a big milestone in your life. 
I lost my goo card for <laughs> sure. <laughs> episode, just I love okay. oh, to mark this episode as like explicit or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is actually a really good question. I see people use candy a lot, and it's like fun. It's like a little treat. Like while you're running, like people do like Swedish fish, Sour Patch Kids. Some of you know, it's all quick sugar. I think chocolate would be maybe hard in my mouth. But, um, you know, gummy bears, all those things, quick, quick carbs. If you could do like the honey stinger, I think it's like the waffle crisps. Out of those, those are, those are pretty messy. So again, might be tricky to run with. Um, but pretzels, dried fruit, graham crackers, electrolyte drinks, um, any form of quick, quick sugar, applesauce, like you said earlier, that's a good one. Um, those would probably be some, some good go-tos for while you are on your endurance event but yeah great recommendations dots pretzels um would be fabulous i literally just sent sabrina yesterday there's a knockoff grocery store brand of dots pretzels and they're literally half the price and i i think they're really good like my husband was like they're like good they're not as good but i was convinced like these pretzels like next time I have to carb load, like it'll be so easy because I can just eat these pretzels. Pretzels all the time. I love that. Um, yeah, those are great options. I personally fueled with go-go squeezes for my half marathons when I was training for those, and it worked for the longest time until you need. I don't know. I just needed a little bit more for the marathon, but yeah, great options. Um, next question. Do anti-inflammatory foods like pineapple? Okay. I don't know if anybody's seen this, like the TikTok thing where if you eat pineapple before your like wisdom teeth removal, you won't have as much inflammation, all that stuff. Do those actually reduce inflammation? Like those anti-inflammatory foods or is that a myth? Yeah. So there's actually a lot of like decent research to back it up. Do I think it's overhyped and people are like, eat these and you'll never be inflamed again? like the, that's way overhyped and also to some degree you do need inflammation in your body especially like right after an injury because that's your body's healing process but for in regards to chronic long-term inflammation which is what I deal with a lot of I deal with a lot at my job um there is some decent research to back this up and honestly there's no like perfect fruit or perfect ingredient or vegetable or anything to bring down inflammation it's really just having a lot of plants and having a lot of variety. I always focus on nutrition being like, what could I add to this meal to give it more nutrient density versus like, what do I need to take away? What do I need to measure or restrict or anything like that? So I just focus on adding foods for the sake of their nutrient value. Um, And this isn't like also to like you eat one really plant rich meal and all of a sudden your inflammation's gone, right? This is like, habits being well established and you're being consistent with it but um essentially the mediterranean diet which i know you and i have talked about in the past um it's not a diet by any means it's more of just an approach of eating and it focuses a lot on like vegetables fruits whole grains olive oil healthy fats um and some seafood like leaner proteins and just less of those highly processed foods it doesn't mean none it just means less amounts and overall yeah those would be those would be my overall tips. There is turmeric though. Turmeric is known to be anti-inflammatory, which is super cool. And a little hack for you as well is turmeric is it's somewhat bioavailable in our body, meaning like how much can our body absorb? So 
So our body isn't the best at absorbing turmeric and the active component of it called curcumin. But if you add black pepper to your turmeric, it makes it way more absorbable for your body. So next time you're cooking with like turmeric, like a curry or something, just add literally a few shakes of black pepper and you'll absorb way more. That is Fun fact. a great hack. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. Write that down. Anytime. <laughs> when I like meal prep or something. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that's, those are great tips. And I think it's really cool how like these foods can actually like contribute to that reduced inflammation. And also that disclaimer, like don't listen to those people who are like, eat this one meal and you're going to never be in place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's great. And the Mediterranean diet too, coming from a, cause I do like gut brain research. It's on, it is the best for gut health. It has been supported over and over, like through lots of literature. It's best for both gut health and brain health. Um, and even like, it's been shown to like improve symptoms of like depression and stuff because depression and poor gut health often are mediated through like inflammation. And so it really does. I mean, coming from a psychological, like a more gut brain standpoint too, it helps. So, um, yeah, those are some great tips. Okay. Next question. If I don't like whole wheat products, is white bread, pasta, like products, is that just as healthy or should I try to eat whole wheat instead? Mm, Yeah. So overall, like the benefit of whole wheat products is that they're just going to be higher in fiber, right? We know that fiber is good for the gut, like you were mentioning, good for our heart health, um, controlling our blood sugar. Uh, If you really don't like whole wheat products, then have the regular white version if that's what you're going to eat and that's what's going to bring you joy I would just focus on getting fiber from other sources of food during your day so that could be veggies and fruit with the skin on them oats quinoa beans so just be intentional about getting those other sources of fiber yeah that's great advice it's like a carb is a carb but fiber is something else so right I love sourdough. It's so good. <laughs> uh, so good. Um, next question. Should I always just listen to hunger cues? I said 100% yes. <laughs> hunger is hunger. Your body, you have to think about it. Like your body is so smart. It is so much smarter than what we give it credit for. Like when your body's telling you it's hungry, it's it's for a reason, right? It's trying to keep you alive. Something's not right. You're sending those hormonal signals for a reason. Now, that to say, there is a difference between mental and physical hunger. If you decide that your hunger is truly mentally related, ask yourself why. Ask if you're stressed, sad, mad, or bored. And, like, sometimes we're just craving something, and that's okay, too. Seriously, like, even if we decide it is kind of a mental hunger and it's not to try and cope with a problem or to avoid a problem – um we're just craving something sweet like it's okay but of course those hunger cues like yes listen to them yeah that's great and kind of on the flip side what about people who are never hungry should they listen to their hunger cues Mm, that's a good question I think overall if you're never feeling hungry there's might be something that's going on so maybe speak with your doctor about that um because you want to have those hunger and literally you want to have those hunger and fullness cues um and and regulation right so I would just focus on having consistent meals sometimes I've like worked with clients where they're having like um they're on medication or they have a mental condition that 
really decreases their appetite and they have to be really intentional with feeling throughout the day like having reminders on their phone or like sticky notes posted throughout reminding them to eat something and that's just for their health and they notice like yeah if I go all day without eating like I feel really bad at the end of the day um so having those other procedures in place if you are someone who struggles with not having those hunger cues yeah no that's fantastic advice Okay, now this one could be a whole freaking episode, but in your brief like advice here, do greens powders work? Question from a listener. Mm, yeah, I literally did like a capstone project on dietary supplements and I did a mini project on greens powders. So I just think it's such an interesting topic. Um, yeah, well, I'd say overall like work is hard to define. So assuming if they mean like if they're offering the the benefits that these companies are typically claiming um technically yes a supplement in the greens power specifically could help supplement the diet with really specific vitamins and minerals if the product in the bottle is what the label says it is now because supplements are a whole nother world compared to foods and medications that's that can't be guaranteed essentially um we know that from research, though, vitamins and minerals are best absorbed by the body from real food sources. So not supplements or vitamins. When you're eating the food in conjunction with phytochemicals or plant chemicals or eating them with uh, the foods with fiber or other macronutrients, that's when we best absorb these vitamins and minerals. So essentially like a greens powders, it's a few a few bucks per serving just to get maybe a small percentage of what eating a piece of fruit or some veggies could offer you. So if you're someone who's maybe traveling a lot or you're just really, really, really unable to get fruits and vegetables in throughout the day, no matter what you've tried, I would say you could try it, but they're by no means essential. And also if you're not I always see this, say this with the supplement. If you're not directly seeing a benefit from taking it, like just stop taking it. Stop wasting your money. <laughs> Cut your risk down. Like seriously, just stop taking it. So I'd say work is, that was such a vague, vague answer again, but work is kind of hard to define, but it depends is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It always depends. It really does. Um, and that's, you really did a great job at answering that one because that's a hard question to answer. So yeah. um, thank you. And so would you say the same thing applies to a, another listener asked about um, like juices, like greens juice, as opposed to like eating greens, would you say that's like the same thing as like the powder answer as well? Kind of. Yeah. Again, it's, it, I hate saying this, but like it's going to depend on how the juice is specifically made and how the supplement specifically made. We know that juicing does remove that fiber component from the plant or the vegetable, but it's going to keep the water and the vitamins and the minerals. So like it could still have nutritional benefits to it, especially if it's something that sounds good to you. Um, if you're thirsty, like it could have benefits if you need quick energy or um, you want to refuel after a long workout. But I would say overall, smoothie would probably be more satisfying and satiating or filling because it's going to have that fiber and you can make that more of a balanced meal with carbs, fats, and protein as well. Absolutely. I love like putting oats in my smoothie just because it adds some more fiber and some more protein and carbs. And it's just like a lot more filling, especially after a workout. Definitely. Or even if you're just like, 
getting ready for an intense workout leading like a few days before. Yeah, absolutely. I I made a note smoothie like a couple of days before my marathon and it really helped for sure. I, I did see that. I, it actually made me hungry when I saw that story. I was like, that just sounds like the chocolate and the peanut butter. I think you put in there. I was like, yeah, I need that. Oh, yes, you do. It tasted like overnight oats, but blended. I mean, that's what it is. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, that actually is what it I mean. is. But... <laughs> Okay, another question. Um, do plant protein and whey or milk protein offer the same benefits? I mean, there's always those options that smoothie bars, like you want whey or plant. Do they have the same benefits? Yeah, I like this question too. So we know whey, whey protein is just milk protein, right? You know, protein that comes from animals is going to be a complete protein, meaning it has the essential amino acids that our body can't make on its own. We need to get from our diet. There's also a whey isolate protein, which has the lactose removed, or at least the overall product has less than 1% lactose in it. So if you're lactose intolerant, this could be a good option for you as well if you can't typically tolerate whey or dairy products. Um, plant proteins are going to be a mix of like soy, hemp, rice, or pea protein, Um they could be potentially lacking in some of those essential amino acids. But what most plant proteins do to make up for this is they kind of blend all those different protein options, the soy, the hemp, the rice, the pea, to kind of cover their bases and cover those essential amino acids. So either way, both are great options at the end of the day, just whatever you can afford and tolerate and you like the taste of. Yeah, that's a great answer. People overcomplicate that on Instagram again, but I mean, like we talked about before, overcomplication is a common theme. So yes, <laughs> I know for me, whey protein does not agree with my stomach. It has to. Yeah. No. Yeah. I noticed even like with like my skin, especially with like dairy products, I'm one of those girls where I'm like, I, just, I can't like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay, a few other listener listener questions here before we wrap up. But um, the next one is, how should I eat during rest days? You should eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. Amazing. I think essentially the same as your training days, but you probably just don't need as many. Well, you yeah, you probably don't need a sports drink. Maybe you have some electrolytes here and there, but you also probably don't need those goos and gels during unless you're like me and you like them and you no, just kidding I've never I'll admit I've never had one like but maybe one day I'll just be at my desk and like reach down into my bag and like slurp one in a meeting <laughs> wait that's so funny on your resting <laughs> they're like slurping your gels <laughs> like sorry guys got a big long run tomorrow <laughs> That's funny. You know what combo we should invent or we should try? A Dots pretzel dipped in the blackberry goo. Stop. If we're going to think we're psycho, we're like, actually, that could slap. I could see it. Yes, literally. What if we made a Dots flavored goo? Wait. Okay. Nobody <laughs> trademarked that because that's, a... that's so it's like, I would just like eat 50 on my run probably then. Literally, I would take one every two minutes. Putting <laughs> <laughs> down the dots goo, blended dots. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. You did. If you're still listening <laughs> now, comment <laughs> dots for life on. <laughs> or no, dots goo. 
Datsku. Um, on my Instagram, say Datsku. Okay. I'm going to DM Grandma Dot herself and ask what Please. her thoughts are on making a goo. Please. You know, Grandma Dot has her own restaurant on Sanibel Island. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. We need to. I hope it's. We'll so- go. Pr- We'll go propose our idea in person. Yes. Yep. We, yep. It's the best restaurant in the whole world, too. Anyway, um, we're going. Everybody come. <laughs> um, okay. What is some good meal prep advice for athletes? I'd say literally just do what you can. It's, it's going to be different for everyone. And maybe not every meal is going to be the most aesthetic, perfect, like, Instagram worthy <laughs> Instagram worthy in quotation marks meal what I recommend is don't be afraid of frozen products especially athletes like you are running around from school and practice and recovery and everything like frozen is so beneficial heated up fast it's cheap it's just as nutrient dense um when you do meal prep if you are trying to prep for a few days in advance like having just like a solid protein I think ready to go is a really great option because you can base a lot of different meals around that. I also like love to have a few different condiments always on hand. That way, if I just have some basic veggies and some basic protein and carbs, I can kind of change the the flavoring or the direction of the meal, um, like hummus or salsa or, you know, like garlic sauce or whatever sounds good to you, um, having that ready to go. But don't stress and like make Make nutrition and health work for you and for your lifestyle as well. So maybe that means most of your meals are eaten out of like a mason jar or like Tupperware. Like that's fine. You know, you're you're putting in the effort. If it's going to have to, if it requires you to have a lot of snacks throughout the day, like that's better than nothing, right? So I would just say plan in advance. I think there's a quote and I'm probably going to butcher this. It's like, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail or something along the lines of that. But it was just like, just set yourself up for success. Um, have those extra fuel sources on hand and make make food fun when you can, but also don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, that's great advice. You have given such good advice today, Emily. Like, I cannot think I you- feel like I've been rambling, so... Oh. <laughs> Girl, you have offered incredible advice and you just, I mean, are like my listeners have asked so many different great questions and you tackled some of the hardest ones too, which is like, it's really hard, especially in today's world to answer any question about nutrition. So kudos to you about that. Um, and thank you so much for everything that you shared today. Um, Appreciate it. Of course, that's a wrap on the listener questions. But for my fun closing question, I always ask people or my guests is what is your favorite breakfast food? And for you specifically, I have a special question. If you (gasps) yes, (laughs) Um, it is if you could cancel any diet food in the world, what would you cancel? Mm, Okay. Well, my go-to breakfast, I can definitely answer that, is just, I've actually been having this for like six months straight. I was just thinking about it, and I'm not even sick of it. I know. Oats with chocolate protein, frozen berries, and peanut butter, maybe some pumpkin seeds on there if I have it as well. Like, 
day in, day out, it gets me out of bed. My dog knows that I go to the freezer to get my frozen blueberries out. He knows that he always gets one. He'll come running up and sit at the freezer. Like, it's just our morning routine. It's the best. So sweet. (laughs) So good. Um, And then, yeah, diet foods. (laughs) It's hard to pick one. Um, (laughs) I would say protein one, 90 calorie keto bars. I know that's so niche but yeah y'all, like mm-hmm. looking back like I'm actually trying to think of like what it was made out of and I could not tell you that's just I know exactly the ones you're talking about yeah like the purple wrapper yeah no there's just that's gonna stay that's gonna stay in the past yeah yeah I feel that um I'm actually <laughs> I'm glad you picked that one because that just like unlocked a whole whole <laughs> Batch of memories I forgot I had. Literally, like, sorry if I actually just triggered someone. That was not my intention. But yeah, those are just they're not my fun, not 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 my thing. And now I I have really great protein bars that bring me joy, and I can tell you what they're made out of. So yes, ma'am. Awesome. Yes, ma'am. I love it. All right, awesome. Well, thank you again, Emily, for coming on today. You offered the listeners amazing advice. And where can people connect with you if people would like to talk with you further? Well, thank you so much for having me. I will say, like, this has been just such a blast. Um, yeah, but my Instagram is at wellness dot with dot Emily. Now I'm just realizing that sounds like grandma dots. Like maybe we have grandma dot. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm at on Instagram. Please feel free to send me messages if you have questions. Again, I'm not gonna provide specific medical nutrition therapy advice, but would love to help guide you in a good direction um, as well as connect. And yeah, thank you so much. This has just been so much fun. And I'm so grateful for you as a friend and for your platform and just the positivity and the evidence-based research you bring to the general public. It's just so refreshing. And I just love cheering you on. So it's been a blast. You're the sweetest. She's, yeah, Emily's amazing. And stay tuned for much more content together. Um, yes, we, I'm very excited for this episode and I'm sure there'll be more to come and of course, way more funny Instagram reels. So (laughs) yes, way more apparently controversial. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh, the hate we're getting over running 16 miles about planet fitness. People are like, that's illegal. And I'm like, okay, arrest me. Like, it's so funny. We didn't set off the lunk alarm. So there was no illegal activities happening. (laughs) <laughs> they'll like send out an email and like a few, they're gonna be like so we made a new alarm it's called the cardio bunny alarm it's like when people <laughs> our like pictures are gonna be hanging up in that in that <laughs> kind of fitness be like do not let them back in <laughs> period so funny oh what a great day <laughs> it's a blast <laughs> all right well thank you again thanks take care <laughs>